When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. It's time for this week's One Last Thing with co-host Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? Uh, no complaints. Uh, we're, we're, we're back from London. Long trip, a little bit of time to assess what's going on here with the team. And talk about after six games, what have been some of the biggest positive surprises and some of the biggest negative frustrations as well? I want to start with the good news or the bad news on this? We can start with the good news, um, uh, you know, uh, just uh, get get people feeling good before we bring down the uh, other other shoe, right? All right. So you each made a list of of five things, more or less in order. I I wasn't really too careful about my order to be honest. But uh, start us off. Who's who's the number? What's your number five surprise on the positive side? Yeah, my number five surprise is Zay Flowers, um, which is, uh, you know, maybe surprising to some just given the fact that he was a first round pick and he did come in with fairly high expectations. But I sort of viewed it from the perspective of, uh, you know, wide receiver is one of the hardest positions to acclimate. And and when when you're entering uh, into the NFL from the college ranks and, you know, Zay Flowers being at Boston College, really being the only real option there, you kind of wondered, um, you know, how, how good he was going to be right, right off the bat, but boy, has he, I think blown everybody's expectations out of the water. I mean, he has been, uh, you know, uh, aside from the Steelers game, which is notable exception, he's been sure handed. He's been creating, um, after the catch, uh, he has really been, I mean, he's, he's succeeded in pretty much every area of the field and he has, um, really not shied away from, from contact, been a really physical, capable receiver. And I'm I'm just thrilled with what he's brought to the table. Yeah. Big, big difference from Marquise Brown in that respect, in terms of both smaller guys. Uh, I think flowers is built a little bit more solidly and physically. Um, I probably should have had flowers on my list is what I'm going to first start by saying, but it's kind of been boiling the frog for me with flowers expectations, meaning they, they got really high, Watching after the draft, uh, you know, to get a deeper look into who he was and then um, seeing him work with Lamar prior to the uh, camp, 
then come to camp and just be this separation machine where you saw video after video or you saw it in person, in, in my case, you know, it, it, time after time where he just leaves people in the dust. The cornerbacks can't stay with him. Um, the, you know, they make it out like the biggest deal of all when Kayvon Seymour covers him and basically holds him right at the line of scrimmage uh, to, to do it. It's, it's just it's it's been an increasing thing. Then we saw him in the preseason play well. We saw him come out right on the first the first game and get about ten targets. I think might have been might have been nine catches on ten targets. Or it was thereabouts. Um, so it's it's been kind of a, a an expectation level that by the beginning of the season was already very high. And so I, I didn't include him in it, uh, but I probably should have because all the things you said. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a receiver if you look at all the others ravens first round wide receivers they've all had trouble acclimating to the nfl and and it's often been a matter of years or not at all but but not generally in the first game or two tory smith is about the only guy who very quickly acclimated to nfl and even him it took to game three and then he, he had touchdowns on his first three catches in in that game uh but i think i think i i like your selection he could have even been higher and and i i almost feel bad for not having him, especially considering who my number five guy is and that's nelson aguilar who honestly i was very down on the entire trade for him uh sixth round draft pick seemed like way too much to give up in addition to the money for a guy who was in the bottom of many metrics across the league but he's been a much better player than he was last year uh and then he has since i think his season at Oakland a few years ago or or Las Vegas when he had a pretty pretty damn good yards per target number so uh he's he's looking more like that receiver than the guy he has been the last couple of years and and that's been a big positive yeah, well, so to your to your point, I mean, I, I actually have Nelson Aguilar as my number four guy, um, and the reason is, I mean, he's really it's 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 performance relative to expectation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, I think many of us um, shared the opinion that uh, you know Nelson Aguilar it was sort of unfortunate at that what was going on with the Ravens at the time that he was acquired because I think that made people more down on him. We hadn't resigned Lamar, we hadn't drafted Zay we hadn't gotten OBJ so everybody was like this is your big wide receiver move so but obviously he was just one of many um but but even still he has really outperformed expectations I think you know my my thought process was Nelson Aguilar is going to be either you know one of the best number four number five receivers in the NFL I think he's comfortably our number two receiver excluding Andrews just talking about the wide receiver room and uh, behind Zay Flowers and he he's sort of like um, uh, I I think he's outperformed his contract in a way that makes you feel a little bit better about having to overpay for Odell Beckham and I we've we've talked it to death about the reasons that you know you might want to overpay for an Odell Beckham but uh, he's really, uh, you know, he's been a real positive and uh, and um, sure-handed um, and somebody that uh, Lamar Jackson can rely on. The sure-handedness, in particular, complete flip from from a lot of his career. By the way, not a sure-handed guy at all, and particularly not last year. Uh, I'll go to move on to my number four guy, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, terrific pressure machine. The Ravens. Uh, I've said many times on, on on this show and the other film study shows that that it's it's basically um, a compound pressure is how the Ravens get sacks. They lead the NFL in sacks, and a lot of those initial pressures are coming from Clowney, but he's also been a reasonable cleanup guy, in particular this last game when he had two, uh, and and just been exactly what the Ravens needed in terms of filling a gaping hole 
at outside linebacker with the injuries to Bowser, Owe, and Ajabo piling up, uh, you know, he and Van Noy have just been a, uh, a remarkable pairing. So Clowney, uh, they don't need to get anything against the run for him. And I hope as the season moves on, it's going to be a case where they really try hard to maintain his freshness as a pass rusher. Um, even though he he has some ability against the run, he can he can do some good things there. Um, I, I really like the fact that, for instance, a player like Harrison is taking a lot of the snaps on that side um, uh, against the run. Yeah, um, you, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just keep on Clowney since he's he's the number two on my list. Um, I, I mean, Clowney is performing so well that I think relative to expectation, he could be one of the best pickups. Uh, free agent pickups of the, of the last decade for the Ravens. I mean, he's just been, he's been phenomenal. He's been an edge setter. I mean, immediately, uh, you know, after picking him up, uh, I, I think, you know, you've got a, a reduction in, uh, in, in runs uh, b- bouncing out to, uh, to the outside. He has been much more explosive in uh, pass rush than I would have expected. I mean, you see him bursting into the backfield, on, on a regular basis, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Marlon Humphrey likes to joke about, you know, him being Mr. Almost. And there's some, mm-hmm. some truth to that, but he, um, you know, he, he got on the statute this last week. I think he, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to keep improving throughout the season. And he's really steadied that outside linebacker position to the point that, you know, I think, I think at some point this season, the Ravens may want to consider, uh, you know, possibly extending him if they can get a, a reasonable offer because Clowney's just fit in perfectly. And, and he's been a force multiplier, I think, for this team. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting prospect. I don't know if there's a good price that, that the Ravens can get him at. I think he's a, he's probably a $10 million a year man, a year man next year. And it might be a three-year deal, you know, three for 30, three for 36 somewhere. Uh, that he ends up getting. So it may be another player that we have to say goodbye to, which is part of the problem with signing free agents at all and one-year free agents is prove-it deals are great for not getting stuck with the old maid, but they're really bad um, in terms of solving any multi-year issues that you have. And and the Ravens do kind of have a multi-year issue at edge, uh, even if they have, uh, you know, Bowser, Owe, and Ajabo all still on the team in 24. Yeah, the the only the only thing I would say um, about about that is that we got Clowney I think at a better price than uh, yes. we we initially expected, and he's had some pretty bad experiences throughout this sort of like mercenary time in his career, um, and you know to the point where you know with the Browns and, and stuff he's like I don't even want to talk about it like he you know he 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 you know he may be tired of uh, of, of 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 doing this year to year, but. You know, I can understand if somebody says no to the money. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll it will be interesting. He certainly has kind of a rep, but I think he's I think he's basically fixing it this year. You know, he's he, things. We, he was just on the podium yesterday and talking about how much he loves coming to Baltimore and you know loves driving up to work. You know, and I, it, part of me says being a three four edge and obviously the Ravens play a lot of four two five so the Ravens are, are often in nickel but they also uh, are, are in base some and when they're in base and Clowney is on the field he's getting a chance to rush from a little further outside than he has before which probably suits him a little bit better than you know getting a guy in space is something still he can work with very effectively um, in terms of uh, of getting the backfield probably also helps him set the edge a little better so uh, sure. I, it's it's a good system for him yeah, definitely. Um, so is this, uh, is it my number three now? Is that what You're number three, yes. Okay. Yeah, my number three is Patrick Queen. 
Um, I, I think it's a real testament to how well Patrick Queens played this season. I was I was very high and bullish on 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 how I thought he was going to perform, and he has exceeded all of my expectations. He's improved in every asset, uh, facet of the game. He uh, he's become an incredibly sure tackler. Aside from the you know a couple times where he decides that he you know wants to blow somebody up instead of you know wrapping up. Um, he has improved in coverage. He's sideline to sideline. I mean, he's tremendously quick and he's really stood on his own as a playmaker. I, I, I mean, I think that, I think it's very obvious that Roquan takes on like a lot more responsibility for getting the defense set and everything like that. But Queen is just really maximizing that, uh, to the fullest with his, with his splash plays, you know, he, he bet on himself this season. I think, you know, he, he knew that he, um, he, he could he could really secure, you know, a, a great contract for him. And that's the attitude he went in into the offseason and into this year. And it's it's paying off and it's showing on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I probably should have had Patrick Queen on my list, honestly, but it's a crowded list, you know, of yeah. players. Nelson Aguilar could have gone for Patrick Queen. I did want to have somebody from the offense. Everything else I have is from the defense because most of the positives this year have, frankly, been defensively for the Ravens. Um, but Patrick Queen would have, you know, is a very reasonable choice. I'm glad you selected him. Uh, improvement as a tackler, improvement in recognition, improvement in uh, awareness on the field, particularly in pass defense. He's probably reading the quarterback a little bit better, but he's definitely reading the routes that are in front of him better. Uh, and I think he's probably got more awareness of what's going on behind him. Uh, this is, we've seen some plays this year. I talked about one on the, on the defensive pod this week where queen had, uh, had all, all in one play. He had a recognition component, a reading the quarterback component, a getting to the spot quickly, decisive component, and then a tackling component that were all way at a higher level than he would have had any time in his previous three years. And, you know, you look at queen's development and, and it has been a slow one, but it has really, you know, paid off. I think for the for the Ravens in terms of year five, and they probably right now are questioning the decision of whether or not they they extend him for that for that fifth year, and uh, and really thinking about oh I don't know if we made the right call, but you know the best you can hope for in these kind of situations is the guy has a great year, gets a huge contract somewhere else, and gets you the third round comp pick, which I think is a possibility with Queen. Yeah, if, if his play continues uh, at at this rate, I think I think that that's a very realistic possibility. Uh, he could he could be entering um, similar to Roquan yeah. territory. Yeah, 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 I would agree on that. Uh, my number three guy is Justin Matabike. Um, very down on him at the beginning of the year. Lots of penalties to start, and he has really turned it around. And in particular, the the last game in London, the best game of his career, uh, had a number of outstanding run defense plays where he is standing up and shedding a player at the line of scrimmage. Like I've really never seen him done do before, at least not frequently um, in his time. He's more of a penetrator Um, and, you know, standing up somebody and shedding him, that kind of sounds like penetration in a way, but, but it's really more of a, he's, he's decisively moving to the correct side um, once he determines that. So it is more of a two gapping nature to it. Um, but then also what he's done as a pass rusher is just ridiculous. There's it, 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 his pad level is great. He's getting underneath these, these uh, offensive linemen. Honestly, the Tennessee offensive line is not that bad. 
You know, it's not a group that is that is just terrible on the inside. They've got Brunskill at right guard, who he kind of used like a sock puppet in this game, uh, is, is a guy who, who played very versatilely for the 49ers at a number of positions, including left tackle, I believe, there uh, when they had people out. Uh, very much like a Patrick McCary is for the Ravens. And, and you know, on the other side, Brewer at center was a guy he beat a couple times. And also uh, uh, Skaronsky, who's a rookie but playing pretty well at left guard. I mean, it's it's not a bad group at all, and he made him re- really look bad. In fact, he also played a little bit on the edge in this game and, and had some work against the tackles, stunted like crazy, had the quickness to do things, had, the, had good underneath picks, just a lot of very positive things from Matabike this game. And, and, and right now, second among all interior defensive linemen in sacks with four and a half. Only, only Chris Jones has more. Yeah, I mean that that last stat is is, is a pretty pretty excellent one. Um, you know, Matabike, just like a lot of these guys, he 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 could have made uh, my list. I think Matabike is more or less on balance meeting my expectations. I, I was very high on him, and I uh, I think the Ravens, you know, from the beginning made the assessment that they were going to be priced out of the Matabike sweepstakes. I mean, who knows whether they offered him something. Uh, and, and and he turned them down, um, and so they so they went to to Washington. But uh, but you know I th- I think he's having the season that we hoped he would, and that's not a bad thing at all. So I I totally understand his inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my number two was Clowney. So I guess we can go to your number two. Okay. Well, my number two is Geno Stone, and and it's a very limited sample size in terms of what Geno has done. But Geno has also uh, been the special teams captain that they need. Um, the other guy who could have gone in this spot uh, or, or on the list at all was Malik Harrison, who I think is having a fantastic year. But Gino has just done more in terms of uh, three really big picks. You look at, at at when these picks occurred during these games. The pick against Cincinnati was absolutely enormous in terms of making sure that Cincinnati did not get back in that ball game. The same thing against Tennessee in terms of it being at a, at a critical juncture in the game. I think they were up 18 to 13 at the time. And his interception uh, uh, allowed the Ravens to go up 21-13 after the return. Uh, and I may have that wrong, but I think that's that that's correct. Um, I'm trying to think of when his other interception occurred. But it's just he, he's he's been exactly the guy the Ravens want as a free safety and hope they were drafting um, in 2020. A guy can play loose bracket and undercut both. But he's he's not a go-to-the-body free safety, which is, which is honestly Deshaun Elliott. I really liked him as a player, but that was his big weakness in the NFL was everything. He had to go to the exact center of mass of that opponent and, and try and dislodge it from the other two sections of his body, top and bottom. And and that's just not a a useful technique at free safety. It's, it's not a, you could, it'll serve you okay at strong safety, but it's or at dime back, but it's really not the way you want to play play free safety. And and Stone embodies what the Ravens have done very well, and 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 what we're going to lead into in terms of my number one item. Yeah, um, you know, Geno Stone obviously could have could have made this list as well. I, I think largely he is performing to the um, level that I was expecting based on his trajectory last season. But he has developed something of a clutch gene throughout this first you know, one third of the, the season. Um, and, you know, I mean, tell me a better free safety that we've drafted than him over the past, you know, since 2002. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, every, everybody else has been sort of a, uh, you know, either Kyle Hamilton, who's not really a free Mm -hmm. safety, although he, I mean, 
he, he, he can do anything. I, I'm far be it from me for, to suggest that Kyle Hamilton can't do anything, but he's probably going to spend the majority of his career at the strong safety and nickel positions um, because that's where he can really wreck a game. Um, but everybody else, you know, has been sort of like a, somebody who's just masquerading, uh, you know, a strong safety masquerading as free safety. So, uh, you know, Geno Stone has been excellent. Um, I, uh, you know, would love to be able to figure out somehow to retain him, but, you know, he, we, we've got a few decisions to make this upcoming season. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It would, it would really have to be an in-season um, extension. And I just, I think Gino is at a point right now where he'll be betting on himself. It, it almost would take some, some, a, a down few weeks, some things to go wrong, missed tackles maybe to persist because he had a couple in this last game um, to, to be, to, to normalize his expectations or to, to, to regress his expectations to a point where he says, you know what, maybe I ought to take it safe and take, 15 million or whatever be over three years from the Ravens. Yeah. I, you know, we'll, we'll see stranger things have happened. Um, but, uh, but he has a bright future ahead of him regardless of what, where he plays. Mm -hmm. Um, so that goes to my number one. Um, this is, you know, cheating a little bit, uh, because it just lets us talk about a bunch of people, but, uh, Mike McDonald is my, uh, number one, uh, positive surprise. Uh, not that he didn't have a great season last season, but, I mean, he has really shown an incredible ability to adapt, to put his players in a position to succeed and, uh, and, and really just take, take his own coaching hubris, ego, whatever out, out of the equation entirely. I mean, you know, he came into the season, he said, he said, okay, what, what, what are, where are our best assets on, you know, in the defense? And very clearly, it's at middle linebacker and at the safety position. So how do we use those to, you know, their maximum ability to, you know, to, to, to basically create the smothering defense that we've seen over the past, uh, you know, six weeks? And, you know, the answer to that has been the cover two that we've been seeing all the time, right? The safeties mm -hmm. uh, are, are able to, uh, you know, protect the cornerback room, which, Right now, doesn't have a single star, in my opinion. Um, you know, because Marlon including Humphrey, Humphrey, yeah, 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 because Marlon Humphrey isn't Marlon Humphrey yet. He's, you know, he's probably playing at you know seventy percent of Marlon Humphrey, uh, and and you know everybody else has performed very admirably. Uh, but you can't tell me that you know Brandon Stevens and uh, Ronald Darby are stars yet. I mean, they, they need to do it consistently over a longer period of time, and uh, and and. So the safeties are helping them. The linebackers are taking on a tremendous amount of responsibility. And the number of people that we've just been able to plug and play with, uh, you know, free safeties and practice, uh, sorry, free agents and uh, practice squad elevations and everybody just, just seamlessly uh, fit in is just a testament to what an excellent job Mike McDonald has done. You know, you, you, you've done a really good job saying this, and I won't add too much to this, but I have the exact same thing. Mike McDonald's scheme covers for lack of QB of, of CB quality. Um, what's amazing about it is the guys they plugged in at safety and the willingness to take a risk there, even when the cornerback room is in trouble. So the, the, the cornerback room is in trouble. You don't have, you don't really have a slot corner after Darius Washington went down. You have the guys on the outside. There really isn't anybody there. You'd want to move to slots corner. They, they didn't want to move Stevens there, even though he might be able to, to kind of do it. 
Um, I don't think they wanted to move a player like Darby there, even though he might be small enough. It's just he's not a change of direction guy in the same way. Uh, Yasin, a, you know, a physical corner that you really wouldn't want there. Um, Humphrey, a guy you could move him to the slot. It's a waste, in my opinion. Uh, and, and also right now it might be a mismatch of, of, of skill set too. So anyway, he comes up with, with moving Hamilton back to safety, even though that vacates the other split safety role, which has you know held the defense together for the first couple of weeks, and he puts back uh, Daryl Worley in that position, and Daryl Worley was a stud playing playing split field safety for the Ravens. He, he made all the tackles he was supposed to make, no big coverage mistakes, and just look at the long plays the Ravens haven't given up this year, and basically they've given up very very few long plays in the passing game, and and you see exactly you know how this cover two has forced opposing quarterbacks to keep that ball, um, you know, short. And when they've tried to throw it deep, they've had a lot of problems doing it. And look at Joe Burrow for seven with interception in, in the game on, on throws of 15 plus yards. So it's, it's been a remarkable defense put together. You, you mentioned the linebackers too. I think that's a great point in, in there is their additional responsibility, awareness and understanding, and particularly in, in the passing game, um, and transitioning, you know, from from pass to run possibilities um, has been has been outstanding. Uh, it's just it, they, the awareness of what's going on behind them has uh, has helped as well. And and they are coming downhill like banshees in terms of uh, uh, negating opportunities for yak. Yeah, I mean, this has been the best defense, uh, team defense that we've seen, I think, in in years. Um, and and obviously there is talent um on 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 the defense but it's sort of it's very um it's very concentrated in particular areas um and oftentimes you know uh offenses in the nfl make their hay by attacking the weak link and when an entire you know when the entire cornerback room could be seen as a weak link we've managed to as, as, as a team to be able to uh, really, really cover for that. And I, I, I think that's just remarkable in this day and age of offense. Yeah, I, 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 remarkable. And, and some of it's done with scheme. I mean, Roquan is a great player. And so you, you, you can say the linebackers taking more responsibility. Yes, absolutely. Queen, great player. Um, you know, whoever they've had at free safety, whether it's Stone or Marcus Williams for a little bit, as, you, as we would have hoped, probably really at the beginning of the season more than anything, um, they've had great players back there. But they've also had Daryl Worley at, at the other split safety role, and they've had a bunch of edge players of some real questionable uh, ability to rush the passer who've been taking up a lot of snaps in the in the with the combination of Harrison, who's uh, who's been very good against a run, and 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 Robinson, who has not been particularly outstanding at anything, honestly so far. So you you have you know I just I'm I'm remark I think it's remarkable the way this has been held together. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, can't can't say enough about Mike McDonald, but um, you know we uh, we do have to uh, let let the people go sometime. <laughs> well, let's move on, and we'll talk about the biggest frustrations. I'm going to start on the frustration side, and uh, and you can follow up. My my number five frustration right now is Kevin Zeitler off to a very tough start, uh, and did not play well the first three games. Improved a little bit. It had a really good game in Week Five against the Steelers, which was was his best of the season. And then took another step back, unfortunately, in in the game in London, and um, just had a lot of trouble. Now the Titans have a talented interior. He got Simmons some, uh, he got Pecco some, he got others, but but it is not enough there to explain 
some of the problems he had as a as a pass blocker. He's really not had the anchor he used to. Uh, still is a very, very astute lineman. He knows what he's supposed to do, and he usually can go and get to a spot. Um, he's just he does not seem to have the anchor anymore as a pass blocker, and it's a real concern. And and I, I think um, you know, they, they, they probably will end up parting ways at the end of this year. I had hopes that Zeitler would have a huge year. And you know, demand a contract somewhere else that would that would generate a comp pick. Of course, uh, I think it's more likely, honestly, that that Zeitler will um, be working on a one-year prove-it deal somewhere next year. And it is even possible he could come back to the Ravens on a one-year deal. I suppose uh, if if things continue. But our best our best hope is that he plays somewhere approximately the level he did against the Steelers. Uh, for a lot of the games, the remainder of the year, and, and and can can finish strong at least. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're if you're looking for um, you know positives on Seitler, you, you you look to the quality of the um, opposition that we faced thus far. Mm-hmm. Some pretty tremendous uh, defensive lines, whether it's Cleveland or Pittsburgh or the Colts or the Titans. You know, it's definitely not slouch slouches in terms of opposition mm-hmm. um and there's been some inconsistency in terms of the health on the offensive line and that's you know uh, in, including the two players that zeitler plays between linderbaum and morgan moses so hopefully um you know in, in the next couple uh games will will we'll be some get right games um although the lions d-line has played uh pretty well so you know, that'll be that'll be quite a litmus test for him. But uh, c- couldn't couldn't disagree with you um, having him on 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 your list. So my number five player is um, Travis Jones. Uh, you know, I guess, it, you know, Travis Jones, I, I don't think has been terrible by any stretch. But I think when we were looking at the departure of Calais Campbell, I think uh, we were really hoping that Travis Jones would be one of these players that would eat into a share of the snaps lost by Calais Campbell. And one of my biggest concerns on the defensive side is just, you know, the defensive line's uh, ability to, to, to rotate and keep the players fresh for the, uh, you know, for the de- December and, uh, and hopefully during the playoffs. Um, and Travis Jones just really hasn't been demanding to be given more snaps with his level of play. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a real shame because I think we all had pretty high hopes for him. Absolutely. Coming out of the preseason, I certainly did. And, and it was, it's unfortunate that, that it hasn't worked out as well in the regular season. I still think, you know, the Brent urban injury is a lot bigger than people realize. Uh, they only played 46 snaps on defenses last week that allowed them to keep people fresh. It's very important that they not get into games where they have are playing a lot of base defense. And that will be the case if they have to catch up in games, but they play a lot of base defense and are forced to overwork their defensive linemen more. Uh, Matabike led the whole defensive line with 37 snaps this last week. And, and that's, that's okay. Uh, I, I'd even rather he have less than that, but um, that's, that's okay. But what is, what is, uh, um, not ideal is that this urban injury could have been an opportunity for the Ravens to pick up anyone at any tech along the line. So we'll see if this is serious. First of all, hopefully urban can come back and play because his 20 or so snaps per game are very valuable to the Ravens. He's he, he, he gives them exactly 
what they need. He's played well. He's done. He's he's done what they what they need. But if they did lose Urban, they and they have to go out and get a defensive lineman. I don't think Bravian Roy is the guy who they have on the on the practice squad. He's a fourth year player. I think they might go to the market, find someone, and I think they could actually get a, a one, a three, or a five to fill the role. If you could get Travis Jones to take a three and and have you know Washington take more of that five role, I think you 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 could have a very amoeba like movement on the line to 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 fill with basically any replacement they could get. They may not feel like they want another nose tackle, but it might really not be a bad bad choice at all uh, if that's the best player out there. So uh, you know they have they have some ability at the at the at the trade deadline. I think it is kind of one of their needs is is they have have some thinness at that position still have some injury risk there. I think we'd have to say with Michael Pierce, who hasn't been healthy the last few years, is playing freaking great football. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right now, but you just it makes you worried a little bit, you know, that he'll be able to finish the season. Yeah, um, I uh, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think defensive line, I, I think interior defensive line is a position where uh, you can really get a lot of value um, out of somebody who's not really a, you don't need a stud, right? You just, you don't, you don't need somebody who's going to be like, you know, a three down guy. You just need somebody to eat up some of these snaps. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're a, a, a competent run stopper, uh, I mean, I think that could, really do a lot for the Ravens. So I think it's your number five. Oh, is it my, I, I went, I did Zeitler as number five. And oh, I'm think, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So then it's your number four then. My number four, uh, Ronnie Stanley. So, uh, you know, we had high hopes. Uh, one of the things about the, about the off season entirely has been just how healthy the offensive line was through camp. And, you know, it, there were a couple of revelations during the preseason that weren't positive in terms of Salah and then the play of Falele, both in the preseason and during the regular season after that, that it's just not been, it's still at a developmental level. Let's just leave it at that uh, to say, but Salah was not as advertised. You know, they, they basically, I think, put Salah in at left guard because they wanted to light a fire under Simpson. Um, and and the, Roddy Stanley actually has been a guy who didn't play a lot uh, and he may not have played at all in terms of a padded practice during camp or preseason. I know he didn't play in either of the um, practices against the commanders. He didn't play in any of the games and he didn't play in most of the, of the padded practices. If he slipped into one, it, it's, it's, it's possible. He might've been there for the first, but, uh, but I think he might've missed them all. And that meant he started the season. And then of course, um, you know, the, he, he's injured again, uh, does, does make it back, which is, which is very fortunate, but, uh, uh, has, has really not played well, uh, at all so far, not a, certainly a Ronnie Stanley level that you'd, we'd be hoping for this, this last game was his best. So that's something to, to, to really look at. I graded it out as a C here in, in, in terms of what he did, still a fair number of pressures allowed there of the you know, the positive thing to look at is that they're of the typical Ronnie Stanley site where he's mirroring very well and keeping that 
edge rusher from the blind side from getting his hands on Lamar or knocking him down, but he does it, it, he, he compensates by giving ground, and I think the giving ground has become worse with his ankle in the in the current state. Uh, we're not seeing as good mobility from him in terms of getting to level two and making blocks. That was something he could do in his sleep. It seemed like uh, when he was a top mobile left tackle, uh, you know, in, in 2019 and early 2020. So it's it's been uh, you know frustrating return for Ronnie, and and I certainly hope uh, he gets healthier and and can play better as the season goes on because the the Ravens really need him to. Yeah, um, I I certainly considered putting Ronnie uh, Stanley on my list. Um, I just made an internal decision to. Uh, take take injuries sort of out of my um, out of my equation because you can't really uh, necessarily control those. I do I do sort of um, question the approach that the Ravens took with Stanley in terms of not getting him any play um, during either the preseason or the um, or, or or throughout training camp because I, I just think that you know having your earliest live fire be against you know, really quality defensive lines like the ones that we've had. Um, I think that is a bit of a recipe for disaster. I mean, you, you have to ramp up. And I don't know that the strategy of ramping up throughout the regular season is the right one. And and I don't know that we have any information to suggest that Stanley was injured or had re-aggravated anything in the beginning. I just think that they were, you know, wrapping him in bubble wrap. So if, if I'm mistaken, I'll, you know. I'll take it, but I, I can't I can't speak to that really, and I don't like speaking to injuries anyway. But I will say, from Harbaugh's perspective, there may have been asymmetric risk, and and it, when you look at what happened to Dobbins, for example, uh, not not this year, but in twenty early the beginning of twenty two when he was hurt in the in the in the preseason, um, you know the questions you come up and they, and they have much more negative implications. Is why the hell am I even playing in the preseason? Dobbins is even saying. You know, uh, if if that's the case, you know, you just you 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 probably want to try something different anyway in terms of preventing the injuries. You want Ronnie Stanley to to basically be in control of his own destiny in terms of when he plays and when he doesn't. I mean, it's very important that the Ravens try and um, get Ronnie back on the field, but also on his own timetable so that he can play his contract um, as effectively as possible. Uh, obviously the Ravens are paying them a lot of money. They, they, there's no way they could get out of this year. There is a way they can get out of next year. Um, but it, it, it's still such a barrier. I don't think it's going to end up happening. Um, it's, it's just very important to, to, to play the long game still with Ronnie Stanley, at least think about the, 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 the terminus of his contract being no earlier than the end of 24. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I guess all I can say is, uh, you know, I hope Ronnie Stanley's playing for us next year and I hope that we're thrilled about it. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to my number four uh, is Devin Duvernay, um, which is uh, kind of a funny, uh, funny one to add one week after he has a 70 yard return. Um, this really doesn't have to do with the quality of Devin Duvernay's play. Um, it's really more his his usage and sort of the team's philosophy on it. I mean, we paid four million dollars to retain this guy and we could have saved it. Um, and uh, and, you know, I was all for it, uh, provided that he was going to be. Um, sort of a valuable part of this offense, but uh, really haven't used him like that. Um, I, I don't know how much that is on. Um, I mean, some of it's on Lamar not targeting him. Some of it's on Monk and not scheming things out to him. But, you know, you and I have talked about this multiple times. You know, Zay Flowers' average depth of target is very low. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and you know Zay Flowers also being used in all these gadget plays, all the st- stuff behind the line of scrimmage that can easily be handled by Duvernay. He has the speed. He has the uh, he he has the best hands on the team. Um, and Zay Flowers has proven the ability to be a deep threat. And in fact, Duvernay, you know, when he was the number two and number three receiver last year before um, before Bateman went down, uh, was was you know proving himself to to be up to the task. So um, you know, I, I think it's a numbers game, right? Like Duvernay versus your number, you know, Duvernay versus the opposing number four corner on the team is sometimes going to be a better matchup than Zay versus their number one corner. Um, and we, we have to explore that. We have to be more willing to uh, use use Duvernay in this offense, like we're paying him. I'm 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 all for using Duvernay not only more but differently. Uh, I want to see Duvernay more out of the backfield. I think they they give him more. I want to see him take over more of the jet motion responsibilities. And just like you, I want to see Flowers uh, involved in more deep routes, which peel off safety attention. And, you know, the Ravens have a lot of guys who are underneath receivers. And when you're when you're having your one real deep threat, uh, run a lot of shallow routes, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of gadget plays. You're taking that away from the defense in terms of responsibility to look for it. So um, Bateman, I, I still have hope that he can give the Ravens a little bit of a deep threat there. But he's mostly he's a route runner. And, and that's what he's good at. He's good at shaking a defensive back at the top of the route. And, uh, you know, it, a lot of things about Bateman have, have not gone exactly perfectly this year, but but uh, part of it is the, the Ravens are just not utilizing their many speed weapons, as I would hope, in terms of, of creating space for them uh, with the only really reasonable way to do that being Flowers. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be – we're not going to be happy with the results if – the only two people that um, Lamar Jackson is targeting are uh, Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews. We will we will come across teams that will be able to take those two guys away, and uh, we, we need them to spread the ball more. Um, uh, so you know, here's here's to hoping that goes that in, in that direction. Uh, my turn, right? With number three. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, I tell you, one of the things I'm frustrated about is tight end usage so far this year. And and likely in Kolar, the two guys have been left out of the offense, frankly. Uh, Kolar got a little bit of playing time early in the season, unfortunately had a bad drop, likely also a bad drop among, among four targets. But he, he caught the other three, you know, 32 yards in total, 20-yard play is in there. It, it shouldn't have been the end of the world that this drop occurred. But then since week three, he's had zero targets. Uh, you know, he, Duvernay, and Kolar were on the field a, a, a good number of plays this last week combined and had zero targets. Uh, Monken came out of Georgia, and one of the things that he'd done is he'd still made good use of 12 personnel with Washington and, and uh, whatnot, but they, they played a fair amount of 12 at Georgia, and we really have not seen that be deployed effectively uh for for the ravens they've they've uh you know sure they've used ricard as a second tight end sometimes in line they've used other players but they haven't really made effective receiving use of two tight ends so far yeah this was a tough one to leave off of the negatives could have easily um uh made it on there i think we were all hoping for for much more from these players um uh, you know i think i think that uh you know, Munkin could definitely uh, 
have some you know early scripted plays to these uh, to, to the tight ends. I mean, I, I think it, at least two games in a row he had a scripted play out to um, out, out to likely, which was encouraging. But I mean, you, you know, if if they get enough reps together and there's you know good good sort of trust capital uh, built in there, I mean, imagine having all three of those tight ends in 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 the red zone. You know, just a bunch of giants. You know, just bodying. Uh, you know the, the poor, the poor undersized defensive backs uh, could could really be an effective use of those weapons. Um, you know, I think I think Kolar has sort of underperformed as a blocker, so I think that's been a big yeah. part of it. Um, but you know, likely, I, I think he between last season and this season has shown enough to to deserve a shot. So hopefully they'll um, get those opportunities. Uh, so my next one, this has been a bit of a soapbox for me this season, uh, is, you know, sort of the team decision-making and messaging regarding injuries. And this is largely at the feet of John Harbaugh. Uh, you know, I, I think that we've seen throughout the last two weeks that it's been a mis- big mistake to, uh, bring Marcus Williams back, uh, at least as early as we have. Um, and if it ends up being that Marcus Williams has to get surgery at the end of the season, I, and, and this is the level of play that we got out of him, and we elected that over him just getting surgery, you know, early on and not impacting next season, I think that's going to, you know, leave a lot of egg on on the Ravens' face. And it's not just the Marcus Williams decision; it's also just sort of Harbaugh's messaging regarding some of these injuries. You know, I, I think earlier, maybe in the off season, he sort of made a comment about um uh, he, he sort of make a, made an underhanded comment a, a little bit uh you know compliment on one hand complimenting patrick queen coming in and playing but also seemingly um kind of you know taking a jab at uh jk dobbins you know holding in and e- even if that wasn't his intention it, it it would be shocking to me that he would be so oblivious as to you know, the message there. And, and sort of that's trend has continued a little bit this past week with Tyus Bowser um, with his comments regarding Tyus Bowser really makes it seem like Bowser is medically cleared and ready to play, but it's been Bowser's decision to, to not play. Um, that, that's sort of what I'm reading in, in between the tea leaves of what Harbaugh said. And uh, you know, even if that's true, I just don't see what benefit that has to the team, to, uh, to morale, to, um, to you know the players trusting Harbaugh and being able to uh, you know uh, be open and honest with the organization, I just, Harbaugh just seems very loosey goosey with how he's um, approaching the media and approaching these injury decisions, and I, I you know it, it's been very disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean I I don't disagree with this. I'm going to start by saying I think that Harbaugh should attempt to mislead, generally speaking as long as it's effective in terms of how prepared the Ravens are to go. So when he goes to the podium and he says, uh, Johnny and, and Eddie and, and Gary are all ready to go, then I think that's fine in, in terms of the message you're sending to the other team. But you do really want to be cognizant about it. And I, I the, what I would take from the Steelers game in particular is four guys returned in that game. Stanley, OBJ, Humphrey, and Williams, and those four guys all had a hand in losing that football game. And I think I I, I do put a lot of the blame on the Ravens and probably Harbaugh in particular for saying 
things like it's all hands on deck for this game. We need everybody back for this game. I'm pushing everybody to play. If you can't get ready for this game, don't even bother getting ready for the next two weeks kind of thing. I, I don't know what he might have said, okay? But I will say four guys very apparently got pushed back before they were really ready to play and, and didn't play well. None of them played well. Uh, it's it's the kind of thing that that does really bother me. It is still a 17-game season. That Pittsburgh game was a great opportunity to jump ahead in the race. They should have won it anyway, even with those four guys playing poorly. So it, it hurts that much more that they did play. You know, and and that they didn't, uh, you know, help win the game for, from that respect. But I, the 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 problem I have with Harbaugh in terms of the injuries is that I think he's pushing people back because the general difficulty with injuries across the team, and obviously some of the some of the handling of the margin of the roster has been very difficult with the number of walking wounded they have. And, and you know, Sala was active as the ninth offensive lineman for one game. Because Ravens didn't have any other healthy bodies on the roster. It wasn't because they wanted Salah to play. You know, it's right. it's just uh, you know he, he's there. So I, I agree. In, in in on the two players you mentioned specifically in terms of Dobbins, I think Harbaugh is best to shut his mouth in terms of anything about Dobbins. And and he was like clearly getting more and more frustrated with the J.K. Dobbins questions. And he he, he came out with, "You're going to have to ask J.K. about that." And now he's basically in the same spot with Bowser saying, you're going to have to ask Tyus about that, or Tyus will tell you about that. He's got some decisions to make. Um, you know, when he, when he says things like that, he also said the same thing basically about Ajabo. Um, you're already flagging stuff you shouldn't be flagging, that the player has to make a decision between a season-ending surgery of some sort and uh, deciding whether he wants to play through the pain and have surgery in the offseason or, or, or maybe not have surgery at all. Um, you're already flagging something for the opponent where he's outside the bounds of where I'd like him to be talking. And honestly, the best comment in all these situations, and you as a lawyer, I know, know this, Slav, is your only comment should be no comment when, when you have that. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, you know, and, and the last thing that I'll say is, particularly with Marcus Williams um, in that situation, you're you're choosing Marcus Williams over an injured Marcus Williams over Geno Stone, yep. who has played phenomenal football. Like you know that it's 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 a no brainer. You could tell just by I mean, and the fact that Marcus Williams doesn't get pulled from the game, you know, a quarter of the way in, you know, like all right, we gave it a shot. It's not working out. Geno, get in there. You know, I, I mean, I think that could have made all the difference in the world. At least Ronnie Stanley, at whatever percentage he was at, was better than every other option they had. You know, it, it, it's it's just baffling. So uh, it's been a point of frustration for me. Uh, so where, where are we? Is it my number two now? Yes. On the, on, okay, so my two biggest frustration is Bateman. I think we've talked a little bit about it, but um, continual breakdown of trust with Lamar has been the, been the problem here. You know, two drops, uh, obviously, against the Steelers, and then he came back with the with the no attempt to make a play on the interception. Looked like he kind of got caught flat-footed. It was also very unfortunate that the defensive back had such an easy path behind him along the sidelines and could tell that Bateman was flat-footed on the play such that he didn't try and defend him, but he went for the football. Because it's not normal that you're, you know, on the other side of the quarterback, the sideline side of the quarterback for the football. It's not where you want to be normally as a defensive back. If you have the choice, you'd be undercutting that route. But uh, it was it was something that, that uh, uh, you know, honestly, it, it, it happened. 
And when these things happen, I mean, they just, they got to make Lamar think a little bit, whether he's doing it consciously or not is, do I really want to put that ball up for Bateman to try and go make a play on it? Uh, You know, he he cost me an interception there. He cost me a couple of long plays. Uh, Otherwise, you know, this is a, Andrews is over here and I, I know he'll try and I know he'll probably catch the ball. Yeah, uh, you know, that was, uh, I think it's a little bit of a um, chicken chicken or the egg uh, thing on, on, on that play. It's, 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 it's a little hard. I, I tended to think that Bateman was um, just, you know, by the time he turned around, he's flat-footed and just wasn't going to, you know, it m- maybe didn't look good. He should have tried to jump a little bit higher. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely a, 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 a disappointing play. Um and, uh, and, you know, not, it, it, things just don't seem to be coming together yet, um, with Bateman and I'm a huge Bateman supporter and I'm a huge, um, believer in, uh, what he's going to be able to give the team this season. Um, which is why he's actually my, um, my number one, uh, in, in terms of disappointment, because I, I, I was expecting him to really be the number one receiver, um, uh, for the Ravens this season. I, I was too, honestly. I mean, I, I, until we see saw flowers really in the preseason and just how how he was getting utilized, I really thought Bateman would be the number one guy. He's their only real X receiver. The only thing I'm going to say that's going to go the other direction here on Bateman is that the outcome for Bateman and, and, the, and the, the bust tag is not a binary one. Okay, it's not a one or a zero. It's it, it it's going to be somewhere in between. And yes, we're probably at a point right now where Bateman is unlikely to get his fifth year option picked up, which is starts at a frustrating level for a wide receiver. You draft that high, you really hope that he'll he'll earn that first that 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 uh, fifth year option. But on the other hand, he's still got a, a year and a half and a little bit to play for the Ravens, where where hopefully he's going to produce at a significant level. And they, they need to work to fix that. They just can't give up on this. And the fans who are saying that, the fans who want to give up on Bateman, that you're just not getting football here. You're not you're not getting you know how you how you have to assemble a roster here and how you have to make it work. You want to be out front of the, the crowd and saying he's a bust. You're not giving us any new information. We we we're watching the same football games. We're seeing how crappily he's playing. We're seeing how how lousy the results are. But on the other hand, you know you've got a, the one guy who can fix the X receiver position. It, is is certifiably Bateman, and you know he, he's he's the guy you have to work on uh, this time. There's not going to be a I, I don't think there's going to be another draft pick at wide receiver next year. Even though the wide receiver room is a little short, I, I think you know they have other needs on this team, a tackle in particular, um, that they really are going to need to address. Yeah, and if you're looking for something positive on Bateman, there's been a number of um, plays where Bateman has straight up been open, and Lamar just you know ended up going to another player. And I don't necessarily think that it's a, um, a trust issue with Lamar. I do think he has more chemistry with Zay and with, um, with Andrews, but there've just been some plays that just kind of developed quickly. I, I, I think, uh, I, I think that this offense is potentially on the precipice of kind of it exploding a little bit, but, um, uh, which kind of goes to my number two, um, um, disappointment, which is lack of, explosive uh downfield plays on offense um you know and bateman who like i said is my number one is is part of this um i i I sort of think that the ravens need to make a much more concerted effort concerted effort in 
in, in taking some downfield shots. Downfield shots are incredibly valuable regardless of whether you make the completion or not. If you have a second and short, take a shot downfield, right? That's a safe time to, uh, to, to pick up a, you know, potentially pick up a chunk play or pass interference like Joe Flacco used to do with Torrey mm-hmm. Smith. Um, uh, and, and even then, you know, it, it, it makes the defense have to respect your willingness to take deep shots. And we're not even showing that on any reasonable level. Uh, you know, we're, we've talked about the average depth of target for Zay Flowers, the fact that we could be using Duvernay more in the backfield for either these gadget plays or these, you know, uh, you, you know, sh- uh, passes behind the uh, line of scrimmage uh, to, to get some yak going. You know, take some deep shots with Zay. Look, let the plays develop. I think part of the importance of of what you're saying about taking some deep shots and building space. I mean, obviously, getting space going, getting Flowers out there, uh, taking deep shots with with him and with Bateman for that matter is something you can do anytime the the opposing defense is lined up single high. All right, and but you have to have two plays called in the huddle for Lamar to to check to the deep shot play. So basically, you know, all you need is, is pretty much a, um, a, a you know, a, a single word to have a check play be two verticals on the outside uh, that are agreed upon under whatever terms they are. You know, maybe, the, maybe it's four words and, and they, and they deal with different verticals. You know, somebody's running a post and somebody's running a straight nine route or a corner. Um, but it, you, the, you have to have that ready to go such that Lamar can call it when he sees that single high look. And that play, by the way, is one of the few that Lamar is going to have certifiably enough time to throw because throwing up a 41 or 42 yard pass with good air under it only takes about two or 2.1 seconds to get that ball off. And that's about what those, what those offensive tackles right now are giving Lamar in terms of the ability to step into a throw. So it'd be nice to see more of those taken. They're not, you know, when thrown well, they're not not easily defensible at all. And honestly, it's it's a it's a play that's very hard to defense with with a pressure because the trajectory of the ball doesn't allow for a batted pass, and just in two point two seconds, it's very hard to get anybody in into the backfield in Lamar's face. Yeah, it's um, it pays dividends as long as it's not like a poorly thrown ball in the sense that. And by the way, there are good misses when it comes to those passes, right? Overthrow. Uh, you know, overthrow to the sideline. That's, that's a good miss because you know, that chances are that's not getting intercepted. Uh, you know, if you throw a duck, that's a bad miss. That's a good chance that it'll, uh, you know, get picked off. But so, so there's, there's a lot of positive that can come out of it regardless of whether it's a completion. And uh, you know, I, th- I, I just think that the Ravens are shooting themselves in the foot a little bit by not, not really attempting it more. Yeah. All right. You have your number one was Bateman, right? That's right. So we're done. We're done talking about that. I, my number one is the other side of injuries, which is just how do the Ravens get away from all the number that's happened? I don't think I don't think it's on anybody in particular, other than they may have some players that they have signed along contracts and they are just hoping they work them their way out of the injuries. And um, you know, OBJ they only have for one year, but they had you know it was a hope contract in terms of hoping he wouldn't get hurt, and he has. Um, Dobbins has been a, 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 a hurt for half his career prior to this year. And obviously he's, he's missing basically the entire season this year. Stanley, obviously in the middle of a long-term deal, no way to 
disengage from the contract. The only strategy is hope, which really isn't a strategy at all. So you, you're you're are are, uh, are in a position where you have some injuries that are just you know at risk of of occurring. Um, but they've had way more than that in terms of things. And, and the only thing that you know differentiates this from either 2015 or 21 or 22 is the fact the quarterback hasn't gotten hurt. Um, you know, it's it's the it's it's the the big factor is Lamar is still healthy, but um, boy, the I mean, everywhere on the team they've they've had significant injuries, particularly on the offense, but also on the defense in terms of of uh, of the edge injuries there, and and now the safety problems they're having. Uh, it's, it's the quality of players in addition to the quantity as well. And, I, I, you know, I think people will foolishly blame the organization, blame Harbaugh, blame the strength coach, blame anybody they can point a finger at in terms of what's going on. Um, I, I really haven't heard a compelling argument yet on why it's some practice or procedure the Ravens have, which has caused all these injuries. Uh, that that's the part I, I I have not yet heard a compelling argument for. Yeah, it's sort of it's just uh, almost uh, very just unfortunate timing. That, you know, the Ravens um, had some high profile issues with uh, Steve Saunders, who may or may not have voodoo dolls of the entire team and is sort of you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> cursing them. But um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, they overhauled their staff. And, uh, you know, ostensibly their practices as well, because if somebody's going to implement the same exact practices, why would you keep, you know, keep them on? Right. You know, so they overhauled their staff from that perspective. And Harbaugh made a really good point. He's like, go back and look at the film. You know, a lot of these injuries is just like dudes getting rolled up on. And it's just very unfortunate that we have had this statistical variance in favor of injury. You know, every year we're like, surely we'll regress to the mean at some point. And it just hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, it's, it, it, we've been very fortunate that the, we've been able to weather the injuries on the defensive side, um, less so on the offensive side, but, um, you know, you're just hoping that we're, we'll, we'll catch a few breaks and, and, and guys are going to get healthy. But at this point, I'm just, I'm sick of, you know, reading about these conspiracy theories. Steve Saunders is gone. He can't hurt you anymore. It's, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's didn't train the trainers and whatnot in a way that is uh, uh, keeping the keeping the 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 myth alive. But uh, but anyway, I, I I I would love to hear it. I think the Ravens have to have all options on the table to try and fix it. You know, and and I had one really interesting group of brothers who were from Brazil or Argentina. I forget. I think Brazil. Um, that were looking at heat maps that they could take by basically players on, in soccer dropping their drawers and going into a, a, a chamber that would detect where the, the muscles were overheated in their body so they could detect early when muscle problems might occur ahead of time. So that would help with some soft tissue injuries, but it still doesn't help with these you know, non-contact ACL-type deals and, and, and uh, all of the other uh, roll-ups that are occurring on the offensive line and what I, I, I just, I don't, I, I, I do not yet have anything from a training perspective that I think can, can fix that. Uh, you can teach your offensive linemen not to block your, your, your players into other players. You can take, teach them to let the quarterback take the hit at a certain point. Uh, that might be a legitimate reason, but I, I, but I haven't really heard otherwise. Good, compelling reason. I mean, but yeah. And, and just look at sort of, you know, they're like, okay, Ronnie Stanley is, you know, uh, whatever, he might not be right. Okay, let's keep him out of the, um, 
let's keep him out of preseason, keep him out of training camp. Well, why'd you keep Ronnie out of preseason training camp? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with JK. We kept him out of preseason, gets injured first game. You know, sometimes these things just happen. And uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say we are uh, ready to move on from them happening. All right. Well, a good show. A lot longer than we normally do, Slava, but I really appreciate it. It's always fun doing this show with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I promise I'll get back to you really quickly to talk about your idea for a show. Uh, For Slava Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on One Last Thing. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.